You're listening to a podcast from the Queen Mary Centre for the History of the Emotions. We've created this series of short audio pieces to introduce listeners to what we do. As historians of emotions, we look to the past to understand our feelings in the present. In this episode on gut feelings, which is only for the strong of stomach, Evelyn Lemons listens to the voices of 19th century sufferers of flatulence and dyspepsia in search of the connection between digestion and emotion. What do you think when you hear the phrase, a gut feeling? Perhaps you think of an emotional intuition, a truth you instinctively know, or an unconscious, feeling-based decision. Or maybe you remember the physical feelings in your belly in moments of fear, stress, or falling in love. Butterflies in your stomach, unpredictable bowel movements, or cramps, nausea, knots, and unsettling sensations of swooping and sinking. A survey I conducted at the 2017 Being Human Festival revealed that there is no one correct answer. The term, a gut feeling, drifted over to Britain from America in the 1960s and 70s, and has since become both familiar in its usage and opaque in its meaning. But at its very core, the phrase highlights one thing unequivocally, a relationship between the gut and feelings, between the site of our digestion and our emotions. In the survey, 86% of the 312 respondents said they noticed changes to their appetite and digestion in tandem with their emotional or mental health. And this was especially emphasised by respondents with Crohn's disease, diabetes or irritable bowel syndrome. One respondent, a man over 65, stated, I just wish I could ignore my gut. Having Crohn's disease, you feel like your life and emotions are gut controlled, not by heart or brain. This chimes with one of the many Victorian depictions of the despotic stomach. This one, taken from a publication entitled The Stomach, and its difficulties. The stomach, which when it duly furnishes its pure functional secretions, is like fire, invaluable, as a slave, but otherwise it becomes a dangerous, because too powerful, despot. The role of emotions and mood in chronic digestive ailments has been a long-standing historical debate, which became particularly intense from the late 18th century and into the 19th century. So-called fashionable diseases like indigestion, dyspepsia, hypochondriasis, gout, biliousness and other nervous ailments often comprise strong components of both digestive distress and mood disorder. In 1785, a tiny 30-page shilling pamphlet entitled A Tract on Indigestion and the Hypochondriac Disease was published. Written by former naval surgeon James Reimer, The pamphlet was not an example of cutting-edge medical research, but one of many similar leaflets promoting his tincture for indigestion and low spirits, as concocted by the author. Alongside physical symptoms, from nausea to flatulence, indigestion could encompass a sense of wariness, faintness, and aversion to motion or active undertakings. Reimer writes, In consequence of these sufferings of the body, the temper and mind are often wonderfully affected. The patient becomes peevish and touchy at mere trifles, dejected, timid, distrustful, bereft of hope as to his cure and all future events with aversion to society. 
Patients in search of a cure should avoid, at all costs, the passions of hatred, envy, malice, love, fear, jealousy, anger, etc. Should avoid immoderate care, grief, troubles and disappointments, study, night watching and close application to business requiring deep thought. And as much as the sufferer's ailments may have been exaggerated or imagined, Reimer remained empathetic. Such a miserable state of mind deserves and demands our most sincere commiseration, he wrote. For Reimer and many of his contemporaries, emotion and mood played a prominent role in the cause, symptoms and cure of indigestion. However, what set Reimer's publication apart from similar works were the endless testimonials and letters of advice written by sufferers and printed in his promotional literature. She is sometimes affected with a giddiness and a weight over her eyes that renders her incapable of reading, writing or working. Her stools are generally very slimy and fetid, somewhat resembling... When I first began to take my medicines, my spirits were unusually depressed, my body flatulent, my stomach weak... My rest bad and In the fifth edition of his tract, 56 letters asking for advice were included. They took up over 200 pages, or three quarters of the entire publication. And in these letters, the voices of sufferers and the narratives of their digestive distress really come to life. The distressing symptoms I first experienced from disquiet of mind are now the consequence of disorder, as I find by the gloom and ill nature that affect me when I have bitter risings in my throat, or rather, a thin, rough, bitter liquid that is brought up by mouthfuls. I have at present a great uneasiness in my stomach. I'm always rubbing my stomach, insomuch as I wear holes in my waistcoat and shirt on my right side. Wind, dreadful indeed in my stomach. While the passions and low spirits discussed by Reimer and his patients cannot be equated to the way we think about emotions today, the idea that grief, stress and anxiety could disrupt the appetite and digestion doesn't sound too far-fetched. Nor does the idea that bad digestive health can cause mental distress. In fact, recent research has shown that 90-95% of our happy hormone serotonin is created in the gut. Ultimately, though science and medicine have come a long way in their understanding of the gut-brain axis, we must remain humble about, and I quote an 1828 dictionary of medicine here, that wonderful but unexplained connection between the stomach and the brain. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Queen Mary Centre for the History of the Emotions. It's part of the Living with Feeling project funded by the Wellcome Trust. We hope it helps you feel better.